Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Field Hockey Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina. Joining me once again is Sauhegan AD and field hockey coach Kelly Braley. Kelly, how are you doing today? I'm good. It's it's bittersweet. I mean, a great season in the books, but now what? I tell you what's bittersweet. I'm I'm you know we've we've reached this point in the season, but I'm looking out my window. It's freaking dark already. I don't like oh, it. Oh, I can't. I know. Yeah, I did. I, I did enjoy the extra hour of sleep this morning. That was for sure. But you're right now. It's a little sad that it's five it o'clock. Is, it is. There's not many things that I, I say in life that I hate. But daylight savings time is certainly uh, one of those things that I, I hate. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> anyway, we are we are here to do uh, a wrap up show. One final uh, show of the field hockey podcast uh, for 2023 kind of go over some stuff that maybe we missed uh you know from from throughout the season or just some leftover thoughts from playoffs or you know looking at the all-state teams whatever we might even we'll, we'll t- even talk a little bit about what we might expect to see coming up in in 2024 uh i just want to remind everyone you can of course send questions and feedback on the show to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow the site on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at, at NHHSports. And uh, I guess I don't really need to tell you that we'll be uh, we'll be hosting new shows every Monday because um, the season's done, and I guess so are we after this one. Uh, oh. But you can go back and listen to old shows uh, either by going to the site, uh, nh-highschoolsports.com, or on Spotify or Odyssey. Just search for uh, Ninth State Sports Show. But um, I don't know, unless something crazy really happens, I, I, I'm pretty sure we'll be back uh, doing this again next year. I hope we're back doing this again next year. I would hope so. I mean, the feedback's been great. I def- I, I had forgotten about the archive of posts. I had a, a couple coaches make comments today about when we were at Twin State, which we'll get into in a bit, about uh, m- missing our voices on Monday mornings now. Oh, right. So <laughs> I'll have to remind them they can go relive this season and, and last season. Yeah, I hope I hope if we didn't want. I hope we didn't mess up too many people last week with uh, with posting the show on Wednesday. But uh, I, I think I think we said it then uh, that we both kind of needed a you know a, at least um, close to twenty four hours to digest those um, those championship games from Sunday. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, still just a great championship Sunday is a great day. Yeah. Uh, one thing uh, that we didn't get to last week uh, because it wasn't out yet uh, was the uh, the final coaches poll. Uh, so uh, I think we could probably right, get that yeah. a, a rundown uh, today. Uh, yeah, we pontificated about it, but did. it wasn't wasn't out. Yeah, and uh, and it, and it came out the way uh, you would have expected it to. Uh, like I said, sometimes there's some weird stuff that happens, uh, but uh, you know, you had your your two uh, Division One finalists. Uh, Dover, the D1 champs, and Wyndham, the runner-up, as your uh, your one and two teams, as they were going into the playoffs. So really, uh, you know, not too much of a surprise there. And then Bishop Girton, which uh, lost to Wyndham in the semis, they end up third, where they've been probably for the last five weeks, I'd guess. Uh, they were there for a while. And then uh, your Division Two champs, uh, John Stark, uh, coming in at four. Uh, surprisingly, only uh, only three points behind Bishop Girton, by the way, for that third place spot. So, they, I mean, there were there were some coaches that had them, you know, back and forth, one at three, one at four, um, you know. So that was a that was a tough choice, I think, for a lot of people uh, trying to pick which one of those was was number three and number four. 
Yeah, I mean, both were so strong. And, I mean, I know we talked last week about just BG's kind of sneaky good finish to the season, but really it wasn't a finish. It was two-thirds of it that they just, you know, kind of quietly went around, went about their business. And, I mean, Stark was just dominant all season. I think I, I, I didn't look at this, uh, but I'm guessing real quick. I think if you include playoffs, BG won something like, 12 games or 13 games in a row to end the season or to, you know, before the loss in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause their only two losses came or they, yeah, came early in the season, two, right? Two, yeah. They were like, they started out like two and two or three and two, something like that. So yeah, great, great finish for, for the Cardinals. Uh, rounding out the top five, you had Exeter, which was the other division one semifinalist. Uh, number six, uh, Kennett moved up a spot from the, uh, the final regular season poll. Uh, to finish six, they were the runner-up in D2. Pinkerton traded spots with Kennett. They came in seven. Uh, Pinkerton, of course, lost to Exeter in the quarterfinals in that uh, that 4-5 matchup. Then at number eight, uh, you had Concord that actually jumped up a spot from nine from the previous week. They uh, they finished in the quarterfinals, uh, losing to Bishop Girton. And then the D3 champs, Guilford, uh, first time for a D3 team uh, jumping up into the top ten. I, I definitely this year, I, I want to guess and say even last year too, um, you know, last year being the first year we did the coaches poll, I don't recall there being a D3 team. Uh, I, I would assume if there was, it would have been Guilford. But I don't remember. Yeah, I think yeah. I think they might have been a team that received votes, but I don't sure. know if they ever cracked the top 10. But, I mean, two years – two years of dominance and you know they're getting some not it's been many more years of that but i'm talking in terms of like uh, sure. for how long we've been doing the coaches poll and stuff like that like yeah i mean it's it's nice to see them get that nod they work they work hard i would get i guess uh what two back-to-back champs so and they were undefeated last year so i think that's what 20 maybe 20 no excuse me 33 and one in the last two seasons wow if I had to yeah guess. i mean that, that's impressive yeah and then rounding out the top ten, Sauhegan, uh, another uh, D two semifinalist, uh, back on the board, <laughs> <laughs> uh, coming in at, at the the number ten. Um, yeah, you mentioned uh, others receiving votes. Let's let's run through that too, because I think there's some interesting team. Well, or want to just recognize some teams too. You had Bo was in there as well, just a, a point out of the, the top ten. Uh, they were they made a, a great run. Uh, down the stretch, I think uh, what did we say last week? They of their nine last nine games or ten games, something like that. Their only losses were to Kennett. Yeah, uh, in the regular yeah, it was season. kind of like the we were like you know, like BG and D one, Bo and D two, right? Like a rough start to the season, but then just handled business down through the stretch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oyster River, which had a great year, uh, they were uh, also they also received some votes. Um, just a fantastic job for the Bobcats there I think uh, and you know just unfortunately they they got upset by Bo uh, actually in the quarterfinals uh, yeah but yeah they... and I we're we're getting ahead of ourselves here or it's just me you're doing great but <laughs> I would I would firmly expect Oyster River to be back in this conversation lot, next yeah, year as well. a lot of underclassmen coming back for them yeah uh Winnicott also was in that mix uh Bedford Keene and then Londonderry Berlin Hollis Brookline all getting votes um, so, it, and, and this is, this was the case for most of the year. I mean, it, it, this one actually is kind of light compared to some of the early season ones where I think we had like 20 something teams that were getting yeah. votes in the poll, which was just absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, it, it's, and, but I mean, even like 
almost all of these teams have been in that top 10 at some right point in the season i think berlin might be the only the only one yeah yeah other new one in there um but everybody else has been in there so um yeah just interesting to see how it all kind of how it all kind of shakes out in the end yeah, and I think that that gives us now, uh, with Dover being uh, number one the last couple of weeks, I think we've now, in the, the two years that we've done this, there's been three teams that have held that number one spot. Uh, Dover, uh, Exeter, and Wyndham, all three were, were number one at one point this year, and uh, and last year it was Exeter and Wyndham going back and forth in that top spot. Uh, you know, which is just an, an interesting thing, you know, to me to keep an eye on, because when we do this, you know, for boys and girls lacrosse, obviously in boys lacrosse, there's I think there's only been two teams ever that have been number one in that poll. Uh, and I probably don't need to tell you who they are. No, no, <laughs> I don't think it'll be surprising. <laughs> um, and then on the, the girls side, again, we've only been doing that one a couple of years, but it's I think it's been, you know, BG, Portsmouth and Bedford, I think have been the number one teams on that side. Yeah. So it's yeah, it, it's that, interesting to see. So. Yeah. Who gets up there? Um, yeah. No, it's been fun to do. And I think it also like. It, it it's brought our already close coaching community in field hockey, I think, even a little bit closer because we're all paying attention to each other to a little bit, paying paying attention to each other a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and, you know, following each other's teams a little bit more, which also is not a not an easy task as a coach. Like it's so we've got so many other things to, to <laughs> think about, too. But, um, you know, it's just it's been it's been really neat from that perspective to learn some more about teams and, and talk to some, talk to some coaches you might not necessarily talk to. And, you know, honestly, what I hope it does too is, is, you know, and I know it does this on the lacrosse side. I, I haven't heard as much um, from anyone um, in terms of field hockey, just I inter and when I say that, I mean like, you know, parents or, or, or players or anyone, you know, is, is it just, it gives them, it gives people that are interested in the sport and, and who follow it, just something extra to talk about, you know, and that's what I, I like about it is like, you know, I, and because I, I, I like to talk about high school sports. I, it's why we're doing this because I like, right. talk, you know, <laughs> um, you know, it'd be kind of silly to do this if I didn't like it. Um, you yeah, know, we, and, I'd have some questions for you if you, <laughs> um, if you didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it just it, it, it's one other thing that, that you can discuss, you know, if you're, you know, I, you know, if, if a whole bunch of uh, people are, are, you know, playing on club teams and they're traveling somewhere or, you know, oh, did you see how this ended last year? Or, or I don't I don't know how that works exactly. But or yeah. who do you think is going to end up there next year? I just I hope it kind of generates more interest and, and more conversation about, um, you know, about the sport. For sure. And I think that's I think that's so true. And and you know, fans being able to go to indoor and be like, oh yeah, she was on, you know, she was on Joe's preseason watch list. I know who <laughs> she is. Uh, which, which that I, I should say, I guess maybe now's a good time to, to kind of throw that information out there. Um, not that it, you know, the not that there's another watch list coming, but uh, right. that I will be doing my own all state teams. Like I started doing last year. Uh, we'll be putting those together uh, as well as a, uh, a rundown of the top five games uh, from 2023 that I attended. Um, there were probably a lot of really great games this year, but I like to, obviously, it's it's easier for me to talk about the games I was at. So I'm going to put together a list of, of what I thought were my top five games uh, I saw in person. Uh, and then a, a kind of a more drawn-out, uh, deeper look at, at, at what, to, what to expect in 2024. Those will all be coming up. 
I want to probably say the week of Thanksgiving is when I'll, I'll, I'll get all that oh, stuff done. So one I, more thing to be thankful for. <laughs> there you go. No, um, I like, I loved one of my favorite things you did last year was the top five games. Like it was just really cool to kind of look back, like, you know, after the banquets are all done, after the banners have been hung after, you know, all that, all that's over to like, get one more opportunity to reflect on an awesome season was, yeah. uh, was really cool. Yeah, it's uh, and I and I like again a reason that I I, I say that the games I saw because it is easier for me to talk about the games I was at, but it also the majority of games I go to I'm also doing video as well, highlight you know little highlight packages so I can put those on the site, you know just kind of yeah. give people another opportunity to to go back and kind of watch that. So yeah, that's that's fun to do. Um, all right, let's uh, let's kind of get into some uh, discussion on on maybe things that we missed or or things we didn't talk enough about. Uh, from this year um, you know and and I guess we could maybe I, I don't know do you want to start with um, you know we didn't really get into too much last week kind of the all-state teams um, sure. you know obviously division one uh, I don't want to go you know we're not going to run down every single name that was on uh, all-state uh, although they are up on the site if you want to go look at them um, but you had I think no surprise really you got your offensive player of the year is Audrey Carter from Dover uh, and and her coach Sarah Michaud, coach of the year, uh, to I think people that that those are well earned and and definitely deserving awards uh, for this season. For sure, and I mean anybody who was at the championship game that maybe didn't catch many Dover games. I mean Audrey certainly proved herself as the offensive player of the year during that championship game. I mean she's just so dominant um, all over the field, but especially inside the twenty five. Um, and, you know, on corners. I know we talked last week about her, her uh, thunderous reverse chip uh, hitting the, uh, hitting the backboard on sure. one of the corners. That was just a real statement goal. So, um, and I mean, it's just great that she's a, she's an awesome human too. Like she's a really nice person. Um, so when you can be a great athlete and a, a humble, kind person, that's a, that's a full package. And um, Sarah is, Sarah's a wonderful coach as well. So really happy for the both of them. Uh, you know, you mentioned Audrey, you know, kind of the kind of player that's that's all, you know, at both ends of the field. And that's that's kind of the thing that always struck me watching her play the last couple of years is that, you know, she'll be on the offensive end and, and you know, trying to make something happen. And maybe it doesn't and play kind of shifts the other way. And then the next thing you know, she's in the middle of it on the on the defensive end as well. And like you uh -huh. almost don't even it's like, how did she get down there? Like, I didn't see how quickly she got back. And, yeah. and is in the is once again in the middle of the play, and and I feel like, you know, as as someone who's not as as um, well versed in the you know in the sport as, as yourself, and, and and of course all you know other coaches, to me that kind of stands out as as something as, you know, being um, maybe a step ahead of everybody. You know, um, yeah, it's just that, that ability to be able to know be in the middle of everything on both ends of the field, and doing it kind of effortlessly and doing it for an entire game. Right. Well, I mean, the, like you said, the IQ, the IQ is really what sets that apart and watching the way she kind of like bides her time, lets the play develop and then strikes at exactly the right, right moment right. is, is, is incredible. And I think the same is true for um, Ava Sanchez, who was one of the co-defensive players right. of the year, right? Like yeah. I think a case can be made there too for, for her to be everywhere as well. I mean, she had, she had some extra supporting cast up front, which certainly, you know, made her, I, I guess able to just focus on the defensive side of the ball a little bit more. 
um, and not have to provide so much offense. But, you know, this is also a coach who always says defense leads to offense. So um, I think that's that's very deserving for, for Sanchez from Wyndham as well. Yeah, she had an incredible year too. I mean, her, that whole midfield for Wyndham, I, I believe they've been – they haven't been starting. They weren't starting as freshmen. They definitely played as freshmen. Um, but, yeah. you know, just um, I, I thought she kind of – I thought she was had had was great before this season going into it, but I think maybe took another step, like you were saying, just that ability to be somehow everywhere, it feels like. And then you're, you're – you know, like you mentioned, she was co-defensive player of the year. Uh, Brandy Garand from Timberlane, uh, their, their starting goalie who at times was, you know, was seeing making upwards of like 20, 25 saves a game for, for Timberlane. Um, she was yeah. all, was the co-defensive player of the year with Sanchez. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a big reason Timberlane was able to vie for that last playoff spot was, was her performance in net all year. So um, yeah, really well deserved there as well. And oh, you know, I always love seeing goalies get the goalies get the nod. I think it's always, I mean, yes, former goalie talking, but it's an underappreciated <laughs> position sometimes. Like I think, uh, I think it's, it's nice to, nice to see that people are recognizing the hard work they're putting in as well. Yeah. I was going to say sometimes you, for you, you know, especially, especially on a, you know, when you're a team that has a, a really strong defense or a really strong midfield, you know, the goalie may be really good. You just don't know how good because you know, they, they don't get tested all the time. Um, so you can sometimes, I feel like forget, I, I feel like the same thing happens in lacrosse a little bit too, you, you sometimes forget about the goalie back there. If, if, you know, if they're not, you know, being called upon to make saves, you know, every, every couple of minutes or every, you know, uh, frequently, I guess. Right. And I mean, I think, I think that's the, I think that's kind of the perfect segue into division two and their, their all state selections, <laughs> sure, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I think of a team like Stark who has two solid goaltenders in, in Edie Fisher and Addie Pelletier, but, were not tested a ton because their midfield is so, so strong, but both of those goalies ended up on the D2 All-State list. Sure, absolutely. Um, I and, and then I, th I thought you were going to mention um, also the defensive player of the year in D2 was a goalie. Uh, yes. You know, yep. in, in, in Goffstown's uh, Molly Brachia, uh, just um, who, you know, was, I guess, kind of the, the opposite, got tested a lot at times and um, yeah. always seemed to come up with, with the key save. Uh, whenever Goffstown needed it, uh, and 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 someone who I, what she's a, a junior this year, yeah, um, you know, has been playing uh, varsity, I believe, since she was a freshman. I feel like since she was a freshman, and and who just seemed to get better and better every time I see her. Um, so I just that's that's an exciting thing to see too, is just being able to watch a kid over a couple of years take that next step and and continue to take those steps. So um, you know, that's that's a, a great. I think reward for her. And I mean, I'm excited to see what she does next year. Yeah. Molly had a truly spectacular season in net. I mean, she was both games that we saw golf town. She was just stellar. We, we had tons of, you know, we had some chances, but she, like you said, had answers for everything. And I mean, I <laughs> way back in the day, remember fifth grade, Molly, coming to like cave girl camp for the first time putting on goalie pads and to see what she's turned into now. I mean, it's just a credit to all of the work that she's put in and the, the determination she has and, and, you know, her coach Jess Brown was coach of the year in D2, another, another well-deserved honor, I think for her. Um, 
So yeah, they, Molly was great. Well, you look at um, the game that kind of stands out in my mind uh, was, was early in the year for them when they, they played John Stark uh, in a game that had to be moved to Goffstown. Just that was, if you remember, that was the week where it was, yeah, that was the weather week, 98 degrees the entire week. Um, you know, so they moved the game later, and because they needed the lights, you know, Goffstown has lights and Stark doesn't. They moved the game there, and I, I only saw the second half of that game, uh, but I got there and it was scoreless. Um, you know, when I got there, and Stark ended up winning one nothing. I think on a, I want to say they scored early in the fourth quarter or or in the first like five minutes of the, the fourth quarter, but it was like a, a barrage that they had in that second half. And uh, and Goffstown's defense stood up and and you know only gave up the one goal. Um, just looking over the the schedule real quick, I believe that was only one of four games that Stark scored, one you know uh, less than two goals. Um, yeah. You know, so um, I, that was that. That's kind of when I think uh, I I took notice of that and uh, and just the way that that she was playing this year or or potentially yeah, going to play this year. I remember, I remember you messaging me during that game because I think we had played earlier, and I was thinking about maybe going, but I wasn't sure if Huff would let me sit in his fancy press the, box the or not. Conditioned press box, yeah. <laughs> from the enemy, but, um, but yeah, I remember the the updates you were sending me from that game. It was just like wow, and unfortunately, you know, uh, since it was a Stark home game, but at Goffstown, Goffstown's film crew wasn't there, so I was hoping to be able to catch it online, yeah. but but couldn't. Also, what was weird too is is I don't know if you uh, saw this over there, but they have with the new lights and the new field and all that. They've uh, when the home team scores in, in any sport um, and they put it on the scoreboard, there's like lights and music that goes off. Um, yeah, like, we like we heard about that, and I'm not yeah. gonna lie, I made it made it a little bit of a of a point to make sure we didn't no, well, see those. What was lights. what was kind of funny from that game <laughs> was it because John Stark was the home team. What, yeah, they it, went off. When they went off, when they scored, you know, just despite it being a got, you know, it just it it was a weird, right. it was kind of weird and kind of you know one yeah. of those like, huh, okay. Yeah, but I mean, so great that they were able to get the game in, and because Lord knows there were plenty of other reschedules oh, to yeah. be yeah. had in that year. Yeah, and that's. I think that's yeah. That's a, I think that's a story, you know, storyline uh, yeah. from the entire year was just the wackiness of the weather. I mean, whether it was, mm-hmm. you know. 100 degree days, thunderstorms, just in general rain, nonstop rain. Uh and you know you know what was night was we never really got though up until you know up until maybe the la- the championship Sunday there was and it wasn't even that cold but we never had no. those like super cold nights right. that you know tend to I mean we're getting them now. Um Right. But but never no, had to the deal girls with that. are wearing like the headband earmuffs yeah, and the right. The le- leggings and, yeah. Sophia Ponzini was wearing uh, surgical gloves during the championship <laughs> game um, to keep her hands warm. But, and I'm sure it adds a little bit of extra grip to your sure. stick, too, which well, is great. And, I mean, after we just had, like, 75, 80-degree days, it drops down to 50. Right. It, it feels a lot colder. Yeah. Uh, well, we, gotta, we have to mention, too, um, the, the D2 player, offensive player of the year. Oh, Lauren? Oh, yeah. Lauren Gava? Yeah. yeah. Um, I know her. Yeah. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, she missed a couple of games this year, too, I think, early on. Yeah, yeah. And she was out for she was out for that Goffstown game. Right. And I think she was out for Bo, if I remember correctly, early uh, on in their season. I mean, to, to miss a couple of games and then still be able to win on an award like that, get voted 
into an award like that, I think that's a testament to what kind of player and what kind of season you've had. Yeah, and I mean, I think, too, like, I don't know that she necessarily scored a ton, like, scored the amount of goals you would imagine an offensive player of the year to score, but certainly every piece of their offense ran through her. Right. Um, whether it was transitioning from the backfield up through, whether it was, you know, her ability to redefend after her team lost the ball and then distribute accordingly, whether it was leading to fast breaks. I mean, Lauren was a, a, a real central piece in their, in their offensive um, prowess. Right. And just a sophomore, um, again, another player that I can't wait to see you know, what she ends up doing, or, you know, over those last two years of high school. I, I it's, again, things like that are, are, are pretty, I think, exciting. Yeah, absolutely. The sky's the, the sky's the limit. And, and I, I'm, I'm happy, I'm happy to be able to, to be close enough to, to really watch and appreciate. And, um, you know, that's another kid I've known for a very long time and have seen how hard she's worked and, and, you know, all the things she's done to achieve her goal. So right. I'm super happy for her. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in division three, um, I, I'm, I'm sure, unfortunately, a couple of players getting these awards that we didn't see quite as much. Uh, but one of them from a, you know, a, a team that's been there at the top uh, or, or in the finals up until this year for a while, that's on, on the defensive player of the year. It was Lori Yap from Bishop Brady and then her coach, Kelly Owen uh, getting coach of the year, in Division Three, and I believe if I if I'm remembering this correctly, they uh, at one point late in the year, uh, Bishop Brady uh, like had a had a ceremony for her at one of their home games where they they dedicated the field and and named the field after her. I, I think oh, that's awesome. for for I want to say she's it was something like a like 30th anniversary of her coaching at Brady or, wow. or something like wow. that. I mean, yeah. Yeah, Kelly Kelly Owens' name is certainly synonymous with Brady Field Hockey. As long as I've been around, she's been doing it. So, um, and you know, just steadfast and true, and through years that have been really great years for Brady, and years that have been down years for Brady, um, she definitely hasn't hasn't treated anything with anything but her best. So, um, that's that's such a great honor for her, and and very well deserved. Yeah, and then uh, Adeline uh, Doloff from Newfound was the the offensive player of the year in, in D3 uh, and, and kind of an unfortunate situation that those two teams ended up playing each other in the, the quarterfinals in an early round. I think both teams we kind of thought were, were final four potential and, and maybe even championship uh, game potential there. Um, so kind of a, a tough break that they ended up playing each other a little bit earlier than maybe expected. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And I wonder, you know, and this, maybe this launches us into our, our division talks, but um, you know, it, it, could it be the layout of, of D3 and the fact that they don't play everybody once that, that there's a couple, um, you know, and that's, yeah. that, that's what leads to kind of odd seedings come tournament time. Yeah. That you've got, you've got like almost an East and West sort of division in some cases, like, yeah, not with everybody, but, but some teams, don't come across maybe I-93 uh, to play anybody, um, and, and some teams don't go the other way. So, yeah, I, right. I don't know. It's it's possible. Um, I mean, the, the same, to a degree, the same thing kind of happens, I think, in Division Two, you know, as well. I mean, like you were saying, you, you guys have a certain amount of teams that you don't play uh, right. year to year. Um, 
you know so i think that that has the potential to happen there as well so yeah it's uh and uh and and potentially it's uh like you said it's going to be maybe changing next year again with the with the new uh two-year cycle going into play uh for anyone that doesn't know what that means at the nhia every year um ever excuse me every two years so they call it two-year cycles they update kind of the the divisions based on mostly on classification but also teams can petition up and down if they feel they should be in you know a tougher you know big i shouldn't say tougher bigger school division or, or smaller school division uh one way or the other and that's something that uh, is going to be updated uh in the coming weeks and if not months uh, maybe even days who knows <laughs> yeah, I think uh, by the middle of this month, that stuff should be final. Sure. But if all goes, if all goes the way it looks like it will, I think divisions are going to look differently. I think numbers of teams in divisions are going to be a bit more even. Um, you know, which if that's the case, then you know D one might find themselves in a position where they aren't able to play everybody once, even with their sixteen game schedule. You know, depending on on how the lines inevitably fall, and then. D2 for the first time in a long time might get, you know, the ability to play a closer number of teams. Like we talked about earlier this year, D2 had five, no plays. And if you were Kennett, you had seven because you had two games with Berlin in there. So, um, and then D3, I think as well, will be probably roughly about the same number, but um, you know, hoping they can find maybe a bit more balance in the schedule and are willing to willing to travel you know, maybe a little bit. It's so hard because that division is just spread out. It's, it's spread. Yeah. All it, it is over, all over the, the place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, so let's, um, but yeah, it'd be interesting. So for the last cycle, uh, you had division one and division three with 17 teams each and division two with 20. So, yeah. So po- possibly a little bit more evened out, uh, which of course is going to change the number of playoff teams that get in, in each division, which that'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. how that, that works itself out. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, it's, it's always fun to me to kind of look at those kind of things and, and just kind of project or predict what's going to happen, uh, or what could happen and, and who ends up where. Um, yeah, that, I mean, the other interesting thing I think to note, um, D1, I'm pretty sure most, if not all of those teams play 16 games, which is the max. They did, yeah. All of them played 16 this year. D2 play 14. Yep. Um, you might get an occasional one who will throw in a 15, but D2 I, traditionally I think, does not play the max. I think Hanover um, this year did. I think Hanover had 16 games, but they also played. Uh, they had one with Hartford, right? And then and then they played Muscoma from Division Muscoma, well. yeah. So yeah. those were their two extras. Yeah. Which I think is fine, right? Like, if you want to add some out of division, if you want to add some out of division games, that's your window to do it, right? Like, I appreciate that that D two, you know, for the most part, has the priority of just playing division games, and then you have that extra window should you want to go pick up, you know, an out of state or an out of division team. Well, I mean, yeah, if you've got, uh, let, let's set that up then. I want to see some D one, D two crossover games here. I, I would Ooh. love to see, uh, you know, like me, like the the teams that were in the finals, maybe uh, maybe cross over and play each other. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. I guess it's it's tough to do because you never know from year to year. I mean, if if uh, you know, like a, a just just in his example, like Kenneth this year had what like ten or eleven seniors on on yeah. their roster. Um, 
you know, it's uh, tough to, to, and I think Wyndham the same. I think Wyndham also had 10, 10 seniors. Yeah, you know, I think they both did. You're right. Yeah, so kind of a tough thing to do year to year um, when you don't know exactly what those teams are going to look like the next year. But uh, I would certainly, certainly want to to want to see some uh, some crossover games there. Yeah, that would be fun. I mean, the the thing for people to know too is that every game on your schedule counts, whether it's out of division right. or not. So. You know, there is that risk factor involved, too, especially if you're going to go, you know, if you're going to be a a top tier D2 team going to play a top tier D1 team. I mean, you run the risk of taking taking a loss and getting a different seed. But, you know, my my philosophy on that is if you're really that good, your seeding doesn't matter. All you're going to do is get into the playoffs and win. Uh, well, I, not to I keep I, I feel like I keep bringing this up, but I know, uh, you know, on, the, on in lacrosse where there's, you know, you only have to play 12 games against your division. So they teams right. do add a lot of those games. Uh, and a lot of time you hear, you hear coaches say, you know, that we want to play better competition because then it'll, you know, it, it makes us better. Uh-huh. Um, so that's always one way to look at it is, yeah, you may take that loss, but you know, is, is a loss close loss to a really good team. Um, does that help you more than maybe, a, I don't know, an eight nothing win against somebody. Right. Yeah. I think it, Honestly, my I think it depends on the time of year, right? Like I want to hit my hardest. I want to hit my hardest teams at the end of the year. I do. Sure, sure. Well, there you go. Maybe, maybe that's what. Maybe that's uh, someone. Someone puts together like a a week before the playoffs, like a, a just uh, some kind of matchup week where where some of the top teams cross over and play each other going into the postseason. Well, so that does that does happen. Like for example, the years that we've had a bye going in like in that first round of playoffs we go and scrimmage like we've scrimmaged bedford we've scrimmaged windham we've scrimmaged you know um and i know that that was true this year too i believe stark and windham scrimmaged um have both having the bye um so those matchups do happen they're just uh they're 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 just they're they're under the radar a little bit they're yeah they're under the radar no one no one knows about them no one knows top, top secret uh, all right. I, you might you might be able to get the inside scoop, Joe. I think you've got enough. Like you've got you enough know, people that would give you the. Honestly, at that time of year, there's so much going on that it it yeah. I, I don't remember to ask. Like it's the kind of yeah, it's kind of thing that slips your mind, uh, especially yeah. when you're trying to figure out you know what playoff game am I going to go to today. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um, let's uh, before we before we get going. Oh well, we we do have some. Uh, we've we buried the lead here. Uh, we have a little bit of of. I don't know if we can call it breaking news because uh, it's going to be until another day until someone there, everybody's listening to this, but we do have some, some news. It's exclusive. That, exclusive news. There we go. I like that. Um, what do we have that we can tell the people tonight? Who we have got the exclusive twin state roster for team New Hampshire. Who's going to go compete in June against Vermont. And we're going to wipe the floor with them. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, looking at this, I mean, this is a pretty, uh, pretty strong roster here. Uh, I, I think. Um, yeah. A lot of yeah. Familiar... The tryout was super, super fun today. Yeah. Uh, how do you want to do this? Do you want to read them off, or do you want me to? Well, hold it. Let's start with a little bit of context because okay. I don't okay. know exactly that everybody knows how this happened, sure. right? So, um, end of the season at the same meeting, we all state select and vote um nominations for the twin state team get put up um 
the number of players from each division is dependent upon the number of teams in the division. So this year, D1 got 20 at most nominations. D3 also got 20. D2, being the larger division, could have sent 23. Um, and then each division could send, I think, three goalies. Um, yeah, that makes that would make nine, which is what we should have had today. So, um, And then the, the idea is that those players nominated are the have the potential to be one of the top 20 seniors in the state because then today we hold a tryout um it was at west high from about nine to i'd say nine to twelve thirty. the girls were playing anything from skill stations to offensive corners to shooting to 3v2s to 7v7s um and then um, coaches that are there, you know, get to vote for players. We tally them up at the end. And the top, in this case, it was 21 uh, field players and two goalies go on to make the Twin State team. Wow. So you guys, like, go all out on this. I, I oh, it's a process. It's a process. I say, I don't... Girls, it's a great day of field hockey. So are these these open to the public? If I don't wanted to stop by today to West today and, uh, and, and, and take it in, I, I could have watched this. Yeah, yeah, right. you could have you could have watched. I mean, we we can't build a dome over west for the day, so <laughs> you happen to be driving by. What is that? Is that ninety? Yeah, ninety three past exit five. You would have looked over and seen some awesome field hockey being played. Um, yeah, I'm like if I, I'm trying to remember what the what the street that is that West is on. Uh, if I'm if I'm walking down Notre Dame Ave in Manchester and I just happen to look <laughs> look down onto yep. the field, I can stand there at the edge of the fence and and watch. Um, That's right. Yeah, I think the I, field's I on Jack Amaro Way or something. It like is, that. yeah. The the street that goes down to the parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I gotta say, this is. Um, I I mean, I I don't know the exact process for other sports, but it's certainly. I don't think they're. they're it's this. Uh, this in, intense. Um, but I like it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's nice. It's fun. It's not easy, but um, it's a great day of field hockey. Like I said, to get the top. You know, top sixty seniors in the state coming to play together for three hours is is super fun. All right, so we want to let's run down the list. Uh, All right. So uh, how about we we'll alternate here? We'll go we'll go team by team. Okay. All okay. Right, so uh, I like so it. starting starting off uh, on on this uh, on the New Hampshire Twin State team, uh, two players from Dover. You've got Audrey Carter and Rylan Gray. From BG, no surprise, Taylor Gabord. Uh, from Wyndham, uh, Ava Sanchez and Sophia Ponsini. Um, Exeter brings us Izzy and Garen Steiner. Pinkerton, you've got uh, Ava Bennett and Natalie Paradisic. From Central West, we have Colleen Stankowitz. From Londonderry, Taylor McKinnon. And one of the two goalies making the team is Salem's Lindsay Troisi. So that uh, that rounds out the uh, the Division One players uh, picked for the team. Uh, then we get into D two uh, athletes. You got Goffstown's uh, Sam Derry and Ava Jones. Portsmouth Sydney Morell. Derry Fields Kennedy Overhoff. Kennett with a huge showing here, yeah. but again, a class of a ton of seniors. So from Kennett, Ellie Hussey, Georgia Coleman, Ava Gaudette, and their goalie, Madison Walcott. From Bo, you've got uh, uh, Maya Kimball. From John Stark, Haley Brisson. 
And then from uh, from Newport in Division Three, you've got uh, Katie Sharon rounds out the Twin State team for New Hampshire twenty. I guess twenty twenty four, right? Because the game is in the spring. Yeah, the game will be in twenty twenty four. Yeah, and I we should mention too the coaches for that team will be the three division coaches of the year. So Sarah Michaud from Dover in D one. Jess Brown from Goffstown in D2 and Kelly Owen from Bishop Brady in D3. So just an absolutely stacked lineup. Yeah, that um, I'm I'm going to say right now, got to come back with a win. I don't know if we uh, what what will happen if if, uh, this this is uh, too loaded of a team, I think, roster wise and on the sidelines. uh, Yeah, pressure's on. Oh, how much fun that's going to be to coach too, right? Yeah, like you yeah. just get to like, oh, just playing with playing with the pieces on the field. Oh, so great. So this year the game will be in Vermont. We don't know where yet, which means we also don't know when yet. <laughs> but it's, it always ends up typically being the same. We'll keep the lacrosse connection. Away. It's, it's typically the same weekend that the lacrosse, lacrosse game games is. are. Yeah, so what you're saying um, is I should – because I think I, I the lacrosse games were in Hanover – this past year and i think field hockey was as well right correct so i'm guessing those will be in vermont as well i should probably start looking for hotels in vermont for that weekend uh yeah i mean hopefully they have them in the same hopefully they have them in the same place i mean there have been years where i've had like i've done the ice hockey make a wish game who which is you know on a similar weekend though we've kind of moved that to avoid the lacrosse and field hockey weekends but um that's always at uvm and then lacrosse is at St. Mike. Sometimes we play field hockey at Castleton before, like gonna... we're all over the place. So <laughs> I was just going to say, no, I wouldn't book anything yet, Joe. If it's at Castleton, that might be. I, I I don't know if I have the time and the ability to drive to <laughs> upstate New York for uh, for for anything these days. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, that, that is, is that whole. is quite a hike, that's yeah. for sure. Um, all right, well, there's your uh, your New Hampshire uh, Twin State team. Um, and I think that might, I mean, unless there's anything else we missed uh, that you can think of, that might wrap up our talk for 2023. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was just such a fun, such a fun season. Minus the weather. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That was yeah, big. Uh, thank you. Big thank you to the officials who always, uh, you know, worked with us and, and <laughs> tried to make all those reschedules work, even if it meant, you know, they were hustling down from a game in Maine to get to Amherst because <laughs> that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I guess that's a good a good thing maybe to, to note, too. If you are uh, on the fence about thinking about being an official, you want to learn more about uh, the rules of field hockey. Do it. Um, they are in desperate need for officials. Um, and not and of course, not just in field hockey. I'm pretty sure every sport could use more officials. Um, yes. So you know, you you like to sit up in the stands and yell about how that's a terrible call, ref. Uh, well, maybe uh, maybe it's time to put up or shut up and get out yeah. there and uh, you put the whistle. Time to in. grab a whistle and yeah. learn how to do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, let's uh, well, I say we wrap up 2023, but let's uh, let's let's if we could take a quick look and maybe Whew. take a gander at, uh, right. at 2024. I I do have my uh, my NHIA program open in front of me here uh you know kind of perusing over the teams uh that made the playoffs this past year you know and we mentioned a couple of teams that have a lot of seniors um that are going to be you know moving on from this year but you know at least looking first at division one you know while there are teams that there are great players that are graduating this year 
I feel like there's a lot of teams that have really good underclassmen coming back. Um, yeah, and I think I was I've I've been trying to do the the math in my head, right? So like this year's juniors would be the last group that would have been affected by COVID the, um, in their middle school years oh, okay. for like the playing season. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Right. I... So after this, after this junior class, right. Rises becomes seniors and graduates. Like we've, we've now officially moved beyond COVID. Nobody can talk about it anymore. Well, I think, I think <laughs> so, this, this year's seniors were freshmen in that 2020 season. Right. And this year, so the juniors juniors would have been eighth. Yes. Grade. It would have been eighth graders. I don't know how. Right. How... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I think a lot of middle school didn't happen that year, is what I'm saying, oh, right? Got so you. Like, okay. They missed out. This year's juniors missed out on like a a really important year of field hockey. Sure. You know. Yeah, that um, that eighth grade season. Yeah. Right. So I think that that because like I think one of the big stories too is like how strong some of these sophomore sophomore grades are on some of these teams. Um, and that might have something to do with it. Might be because the number of juniors is just down a little bit because, it, it, yeah. you know, and it, it happens. It, it, it The same thing I feel like has happened in, in lacrosse for boys and girls, too, is that there's just classes. They missed out on, on 2020. Um, and, you know, maybe it was freshmen or eighth graders who, you know, they looked at the sport. It, they were going to try it that year. Right. The season didn't happen. You know, you go a whole nother year. You've never picked up a stick before. And, and now, I mean, you're just less like, I, I hate to say it, but the older you get, the less likely, likely you are to try something new. Correct. Right. So yeah. by that point, you're just like, ah, my time is gone. Right. Right. Um, you know, so I think that that's, that might've happened a lot where there are just classes that there's just less kids participating. Um, but no, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, like I said, looking over Division One's rosters, I feel like there's, you know, you can sit down sometimes and point to a team. It's like, oh, this is the team to watch. This is the team to watch. I, I don't know if there is a team in Division One going into next year to say that this is this is my, you know, way too early pick as a favorite. No, I mean, I think there are, there are certainly a ton of options. And then I also think that there are a ton of teams who – you know, might have, you know, five or so seniors that they're saying goodbye to, but hopefully provided great leadership that now this like core group of juniors and sophomores can, can take, can take to the next level. I mean, there were a lot of, I didn't see too many like super small um, varsity teams. I feel like people took kind of bigger rosters to playoffs with them, which I mean, yeah, you fill your roster in case of injury, but um think that the the regular season two um rosters might have been a little bit a little bit bigger than normal there whether that's to provide the depth whether that's to you know get people the experience but yeah i don't know that there's a clear cut i don't know there's a clear cut favorite i mean bedford seems to be returning a ton yeah i was just looking at that seems to be returning a ton um you know even bg who definitely loses some power in their seniors return a ton so yeah i mean this is a way, way too early look at. <laughs> well, I will, I will hash that out between now and Thanksgiving. So we will, we'll have, uh, we'll have a little bit more. Or, like I said, we're we're our last week of the podcast, but I will be wrapping up some stuff, uh, more stuff in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, and and even in D two, I mean, obviously we mentioned Kenneth losing a lot of seniors. 
Uh, Goffstown had uh, a very strong senior class. I felt like this year, um, you know, I, I, but I don't really know who if there were many other teams that had the same kind of thing. You know, you mentioned Oyster River, a team that looks like it's going to be back. I think, you know, they looking at their roster. They had three seniors this year. Um, yeah. You know, on a team that finished third in the division in the regular season, you know. Right. I mean, Stark's power, right? A hundred percent is in their their sophomores and and juniors. So, right. um, I think you know next year will be a big year for them to be able to bring up some younger girls and hopefully get them some experience to be able to carry on the little legacy they're building. Uh, you know, Hollis Brookline is another team that that they yeah. lose. Um, they lose a couple of seniors and and some some key ones overall but but they return some of their top players and and a large uh junior class it looks like um you know Bo same thing they only lose two seniors I mean they were very key seniors for them but yeah only losing two seniors uh so yeah there's uh again I well I I think division two is a little bit different though I mean obviously like you mentioned you know Stark being you know the, the two-time champs and returning a lot of that core they're certainly um, they, you know, they're the team to beat, um, yep. you know, until further notice. Uh, but again, the, who's going to be the, the other team, you know, that's right there in the final or who are the teams that are going to be in the semifinal? I think that's a little wide open. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially too, with how the, you know, depending on how the divisions shake sure. out yeah, and what that looks like numbers wise, you know? Right. right. Uh, and then in division three, I feel like, well, obviously, you know, Guilford has been the dominant team in the division the last two years. And again, another program that is not losing a lot uh, in terms of numbers of seniors. Uh, the seniors they're losing played really key roles for them. Um, you know, but they've got a, a big junior class, it looks like, and, and some sophomores that contributed, even some freshmen that contributed for them. Um, you know, but but Division Three, I always feel like, is a little tough to tell, too, because of you know you, you mentioned sizes of the size of programs and some of these right. programs are, are are you know they just don't have the numbers that the teams in division one and two have so it is right. always tough year to year to just kind of gauge what exactly they're going to be yeah and i mean that's a, a great point like i think a lot of these d3 teams might be you know that that's their program, and you know maybe during the regular season they've got because I do see a lot of a lot of freshman representation on some on on many of these D three teams. So um, yeah, I mean I it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun season. You know the other thing every keep... year What's... every year when like we graduate the seniors and we go through the banquet, and I feel like my heart gets ripped out. <laughs> it's conversations like this though that go. That's right. This is why I keep coming back because. I promise, yes, like my heart is going to be a piece or, you know, nine short with the seniors we're losing. But the promise of the new season is right around the corner. It's not, it'll be, you know, well, like we say at the beginning of the year, it'll be here before you know it. So true. Yeah. Um, the other thing to keep in mind, too, is um, I, I can't imagine this is going to happen again. But this year we had, what, like a dozen new coaches? Yeah. Uh, across the board across the board yeah, I, I totally forgot about that we yeah. did we had a ton of new coaches i can't season. i can't imagine that's going to happen again so that should add a little bit of consistency i would think to to a lot of programs that were maybe you know didn't have that going into this year especially the programs yeah. that hired coaches kind of late right yeah i mean that's that'll be it'll be nice for those coaches you know sticking with the programs to hit the ground running in this in the summer and 
you know, be, be ready, come fall, be extra ready, come fall, I guess. All right. Well, I think, uh, I don't know any, any final thoughts, uh, or, or is that going to wrap us up for, uh, for 2023? I mean, I think the only final thought I really have is just a big thank you to you, Joe. I mean, it has been so much fun to give this awesome sport, the platform, um, of this and the coaches poll and, and all the coverage you give and the, the, you know, podcasts have been so much fun. So, you know, thank you for, for everything you're doing to, to give our girls and our team and our sport as a whole, the, the attention it deserves. Well, I, I can't do that on my own. Um, so thank you as well for, for doing this. And, and, and I gotta say uh, to thank you to the coaches too. I mean, like I'm, and I, and I mean that beyond, like beyond, you know, just the podcast, I can't, I can only do so much. I can go to games. I can share my opin- opinions with you, but I need a lot of help in order to to do this. And and the the field hockey coaches and the community have been very welcoming uh, to, uh, I guess a, I don't want to say outsider because that sounds kind of weird, uh, <laughs> but just as, you know, someone who's who's not as uh, like I said before, well versed in the sport, who's um you know trying to be become a little bit more familiar with it but wants to you know i i want to see you know these kids and these programs thrive um and and you know it certainly makes covering them uh, a lot more fun too um uh, but but everybody i i couldn't do this if people weren't so uh welcoming to me doing it so that's been uh very exciting and and very uh, very appreciative of all that and and the fact that people want to follow us uh doing this and want to follow the site i mean that just uh that that makes me feel like we're doing the right thing yeah so thank you yeah it's awesome so yeah. all right that's a nice love fest we're done here <laughs> all right <laughs> <laughs> well kelly thanks again Emotions are weird. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh thanks again for doing this and and uh thanks for uh, an enjoyable uh season and and i can't wait to get back into this uh again next year yeah sky can't wait it's gonna be awesome it'll be here before you know it absolutely she is kelly braley sauhegan ad and field hockey coach i'm joe marcellina thanks again for listening and we will talk to you later